another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hey, hey. And Daniel. Hey! So, does that mean you're more hey than he is? I fucked it up. I was gonna say something real funny about him being in the nap zone, and I screwed it up, so. That's alright. But today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 11, which is titled The Domino Hearts. The episode aired on January 13th in the year 2000. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Uh, First off, once you did that in the year 2000 bit at me the other day, I can't stop hearing it every time you read the date. (laughs) In the year 2000. Thank you, because it it goes off in my head every time. Watch Conan O'Brien and Andy, old Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter people, please. But in other news, outspoken billionaire Mark Cuban buys a majority stake in the NBA's Dallas Mavericks. I did not realize it was in 2000 that he bought mm-hmm. they bought them. For some reason, that's always like a 2010s mm-hmm. thing for me. Uh, this why. is, I mean, I think he's like he's like new money at this point because he's he he got rich off of the dot com uh, mm-hmm. bubble. So he uh, this was him, and and this first few years of uh, him being an owner is quite the like. He kind of had carved out this little niche for himself as the NBA owner bad boy of like That's why I said you know, outspoken billionaire <laughs> pissing off the the commissioner at the time David Stern and he would like go on TV and talk shit about referees and like it was I don't know he's he's mellowed out a little bit over mm-hmm. the last decade or so and he's become like 10% more tolerable but there was a while there where he was like really really annoying but I like, only know him from Shark Tank yeah, that's another part of his legacy that I would prefer not to <laughs> think about. But so I'm out. In in honor of not thinking about things, Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, steps down as company CEO and promotes Steve Ballmer to the position. Stuart Little retains the box office crown for its fourth and final week, and yet another national nightmare concludes as "Smooth" by Santana and Rob Thomas is the number one song for its twelfth and final week. But it will always be number one song in my heart. Please, please have have a better favorite song than that. It has very very nostalgic ties That's for fair. me. But there are so yeah. much, so many more better songs. I didn't say it was the best song. I just said it has very very sentimental ties for me. What was on Daniel? Uh, at eight p.m., Friends with the episode "The One with the Joke." At eight thirty, Jesse with the episode "Small Time Felon: Colon The Jesse Warner Story Part 2, Which I went down a weird rabbit hole with this of like. This doesn't seem to actually be a part two. Like, this is not actually a, a second half of a, a two-part thing. And it also seems like it would be... Because I know we're getting close to the end of Jesse as a show. So I was ho- thinking, like, oh, maybe this is, like, a series finale type thing. Nope. This is just, like, one of many episodes in season whatever they're in. And this is, like, doesn't appear... It's just a very strange naming convention. I don't know what they're going at, getting at with this. I've seen other um, random TV things do just random, like, oh, this is this part two. Yeah. Like, I, I guess that's whatever. what this is. But it's it sort of... Knowing that it wasn't part of a larger story arc maybe kind of killed any enthusiasm <laughs> that I might have had for going and looking at it. So, I don't know. Uh, at 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode They're Playing Our Song. And at 9.30, Stark Raving Mad with the episode My Bodyguard, a.k.a. Guarding Tess. This week's episode had 28.4 million viewers tuning in and was directed by Leslie Linka-Gladder doing her sixth out of 13. Previous one of hers we talked about was The Miracle Worker and written by Joe Sachs doing his sixth out of 35. Uh, previous ones of his from last season we talked about were Sticks and Stones and Masquerade. 
I love the open to this episode. I'm going to say it right now before we get into it. It makes me so happy. Um, we hear some very loud audio talking about an incoming snowstorm. Is it Mark's alarm radio? Is it something else? We don't know, but we find out Mark is hearing the news coming from his living room because his dad is watching the Weather Channel on volume level 197, um, and his neighbors even call to complain because the Weather Channel woke them up. And David Green says, I like that weather channel. You watch it out in California and there's no point. Sunny day, sunny day, sunny day. Some wind, sunny day. Over here, you don't know what you're going to get. I just adore this man. <laughs> I, love and then when, he, <laughs> I love when he comes out of the the bedroom and he's like, you're up early. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you need to get a bedroom door in this newfangled apartment. And the whole, oh, you're out of coffee. There was barely enough for me to have any. Out of cereal, too. Like, ah. Uh, it's, it's just, so good. Lizzie, it's... is that what living with me feels like sometimes? No, not really. Because you don't really keep up keep up the TV at 57 or whatever. I more meant the almost out of coffee. Well, I don't drink coffee, so, okay, okay. so that's your Another failed bit brought to you by Lauren. <laughs> uh, we find out Carol is in the ER today for work. It is her first full day back without the twins. And then we, our first patient of the episode is a 29-year-old acrobat who fell while practicing. Um, Doris has a super cute haircut here. Is has she always had shorter hair, or is this just a recent development? It's she, recent. yeah, it's very recent. She, I think she's been since we've been in kind of the thick of winter. She's been wearing a lot of um, skull caps and stuff, so we haven't seen it uh, ah. without the hat as much. But I've definitely noticed. I think this season her hair is noticeably short. like she has a full blown like pixie cut at this point. Whereas um, in the in seasons past, she's kind of gone between like shoulder length hair to like a little bit longer her she her hair goes through like a variety of different <laughs> incarnations over the 15 years yeah as one you would hope would have changed their hairstyle up every so once often. in a while yeah but uh there's no running water in the trauma room or really in any of the hospital for that that seems safe yeah that seems like you should really just not have the hospital open <laughs> but we soldier on. Uh, Luca and Carol are running the trauma, and uh, Luca's saying, like, oh, no, it's okay if you're a little rusty. And Carol's getting very defensive, like, no, of course not, like, because she's been gone six weeks, I think. Something said. like that, yeah. Six, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, Roma- and so they get Romano down because the dude has, like, it's, I, I can't, it's hard to, like, say it, like, under, it, like, in his armpit. I got this. His arm's fucked, yo. Yeah, it's, but like, but it's like specifically like in his armpit is where like, cause he like came down on a cable that like, mm. that like might have torn some ligaments in, in up in there. So Romano, holy shit, I was triggered by this fucking, oh. by this fucking thing. Cause Romano basically is like torturing the guy cause he's moving the arm with while the guy doesn't have any painkillers in him. And in this scenario, his bro- the brothers, the brothers that are with him. Just strong arm him and then drag him out of the trauma room. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't drag the radiologist Which is away. an excellent visual, but yeah, that's... I had something similar happen with a radiologist and I, when I had my two broken arms and they had to extend them further than the swelling would comfortably allow to get some clearer x-rays. Yikes. And it was not I, great. I've never screamed that hard in my life. Came close after your gallbladder recovery. That's fair. Poof. <sighs> Oh boy, I love these uh, acrobat brothers too. Yes, like, 
Yeah, no, all, this, this, this whole they, thing's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's an excellent way to open an episode. A very funny visual with Romano getting dragged out of the room. And all of these brothers got lost on the way to the Super Mario auditions. Like, yes, they are all the so. most Italian acrobats you could possibly have. Luigi Mario, I, Mario, Mario. There was legitimately, because I, I, they're so, they talk so fast and their accents are so, so thick that I couldn't get the names, like the character names of the guys. So as I was scrolling through the IMDb list, trying to like look and see if any of them were worth mentioning, one of the character names is legitimately Luigi. So <laughs> Beautiful. I, I was very excited about that. Uh, but as Romano's getting dragged out of the room, we are in with bangs. So we are, what, 11 for 11 so far this season on bangs? Mm-hmm. Uh, we come back out of the intro. The revelation that it, the uh, cause of the water disruption is that a water main broke down on Wacker, uh, which is that anywhere close to yeah. the imaginary location of the imaginary Canada? location? Yeah, it's close depending on where you want to put it in yeah. the loop area. Then. Imaginary location, yes. Where we've seen the helicopter pads, no. Hell no. no. <laughs> uh, but we also see Lucy. Uh, she is in early because Valerie is on her way in for a heart transplant. If mm. it helps you visual, if it helps you visualize, Danielle, Wacker is right in front of, runs right on one side of uh, Sears Tower. That can help you place it amongst landmarks. I don't Does, think it doesn't will. help at all, but that's fine. <laughs> Um, we also find out Carter is on the code team. Hmm. Can't possibly imagine that'll play into today's events at all. Uh, Lily mentions Carter's dysentery, dysentery, try, don't, I gotta learn to stop saying, try to say that five times fast because it's just a challenge for Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie mentions, uh, Lily, God damn it. Lily mentions Carter's dysentery patient used the toilet, uh, but there's no water so they can't flush and Carter blows it off. I want to I want to note here because I never remember anything that's happened in these episodes. I was like, is this gonna be like a thing? Does the whole ER get dysentery because someone couldn't flush? Oh. Like that's where my brain went today. Someone was playing Oregon Trail before they. That's wrote this episode. why it's because it's because I um, played too much Oregon Trail too as a child. That that feels like part of the uh, the Jerry character bible that we didn't actually get. You know, Jerry gives the whole gang dysentery. Like that, <laughs> that could have been an unused Jerry story. After he fords the Chicago River and all of his oxen died. That's right. Uh, Mark is trying to get some porta potties uh, for the ambulance bay, doing his best uh, crisis management uh, doctor act. Uh, and Luca is working with a little girl with a laceration on her foot, uh, and we learn that she fell from she's part she's in with um the, some of the circus performers so we learn that she fell from above uh doing a handstand uh sorry correction the thing that f- she lacerated her foot on something that had fallen from above right yes and luca right. luca was like well if it fell from above how did you cut your foot and, and that's the, when she does she the handstand. proceeds to demonstrate in a very impressive way. Yeah. That yes, is, very impressive. Because she does it on her ha- on one arm on mm-hmm. uh, one of the railings of one of the gurneys, mm-hmm. which is... I, and I love how Luca's like, I have to come see this circus. Uh, and then we go over to Chen. She's working with a woman uh, brought in as Parkinson's. Her daughter brought her in because she's been showing increased weakness and basically just can't walk anymore. Um, but she's very lucid. Like, she's completely, she, the woman with Parkinson's is entirely lucid, so uh, trying to figure out what the hell is the cause of this, and her name is Mrs. Duffy, and she's played by... Played by actress Peg Phillips, who is best known for her recurring role on the TV series Northern Exposure, and this was actually her last credited role. She would pass oh. away just a couple years after this, 2002. 
Um, also joining her is her daughter, Louise, uh, who uh, is played by actress Diane Baker, who appeared in stuff like Marnie, Silence of the Lambs, and The Cable Guy, and has 123 credits to her name. Is she the high watermark, or is there someone else? No, there is somebody who will blow her out here in just a few. Jesus. Uh, Carol continues to be pissed off that everyone is calling her slow and telling her she should take more time, and just she's just not having a, a good day about this. And... Um, Carrie is mad at Mark that she wasn't paged about the water crisis, is carrying around one of her handy-dandy emergency uh, binders with all the information. Gotta love it. And Mark's like, yep, mm mm-hmm, okay, Carrie, here's what we're doing. Okay, bye. Just totally blows her off. This is also, I'm not sure if there was one before this or if this was just where I first started noticing it, but this is one, uh, I want to say this is the first one because I think uh, the, the other instance happens a little bit later. Um... Carrie like trips on something mm-hmm. in this there's, walk there's and like, talk. There's like three times in this episode where right? it's a running bit that people keep bumping into shit. Right. And I'm, I keep tri- like, I know like with the, you know, the, I was like, are they trying to drive home some kind of point with this? Cause like, it seems they're going, they, they go to that well so many times that it feels like it has to be intentional. So what I, I, I just don't know. It was, it, it, it immediately stuck out to me yeah. as soon as I, I saw it. I was like, I think they're trying to make a bit out of this. I think because of, like, the different characters that do it and where it happens, I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be anything to us that stands out. I think it was just more of a writing bit for the week that they were just like, let's have some fun with this and see who notices that this keeps happening. I don't know that there was really, like, a ha-ha, Jerry keeps putting a corpse in the hallway type thing. Yeah. But um, we see that Valerie is on her way in with Lucy, for the transplant. So that's exciting. Um, Dr. Dave is checking on Carol. And he says like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, something didn't go through. Oh, there was a paper jam. Fax it again, will you, Carol? And we find out radiology can't process films without water. Which is just so strange to me to think in this digital age. Like, I don't hmm. think they need the same techniques that they would need in the in the early 2000s. No, Correct me if I'm wrong, I listeners. Mean, I assume it's all digital because... When I get when I have yeah. them when I've had them done recently, they just automatically just pull it up on a computer. I was gonna say yeah. afterwards, and yeah, I kind of wonder even if the um, those like lighted screens, like I know you mm-hmm. still see those in doctors' offices, but how prevalent are they in use nowadays? Like, because just like Lizzie said, every time I've needed an X-ray or every time I've had to see an X-ray, it's always been presented to me on a computer monitor yeah. or on like a tablet. Yep, same. Hmm. Uh, but then we get a little bit of the beginnings of Cleo and Benton because Benton talks about going out to dinner after work and Cleo's like, oh, that sounds fun. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Also, if this pairing isn't called Bench, I riot. I was just getting ready to ask. <laughs> uh, I believe it's Aaron in the uh, listener responses when we get to the bottom. Uh, he presents a couple of options for us. I don't believe bench was one of them, but I'm firmly planting my flag in the bench camp. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in not so light news, uh, we have another patient, Michael Mueller. Um, He's 28 and he had a seizure while driving, but he has no history of seizure seizures, but he is consistent with the, how do you determine if someone's postic to Lauren? It really essentially means post-seizure. But, like, how do you, like, tell if someone uh, has had one? You remember me after my last one? Fair. But, like, is there, like, <laughs> okay. any, like, specific, like, um, test that they can do? Or is it not, just sort of, like, looking really. at the person? It's just kind of based on 
information they gather from witnesses and knowing like okay this was likely a seizure and then going through the questions that make me really angry when you ask me (laughs) and how like groggy you are when you answer that slightly altered consciousness um usually that that grogginess and that coming to that's usually kind of the sign that it's post-ictal is that fatigue and that like just fuck yeah (laughs) fuck why are you asking me who the president is you should know this you're you're a you're emt like that yeah that shit it's it's more just a you know slightly altered state gotcha where you're not like up and about i wasn't sure if it was there was a specific to, to thing my, that the doctors can do to, to my limited layman knowledge there isn't a test it's more of a circumstantial anecdotal um diagnostic the situation. more you know <laughs> uh but this dude plays hockey and he has another he has a presumed we don't ex- not explicitly said partner, but later on we find out it's his partner with him as, as a guy with him, and uh, the seizure might have happened uh, because he took too much asthma medication. Oh boy! I, I <laughs> speaking of like storylines that we thought went in different directions, like when these two first came in, my mind didn't go to like the patients themselves and where their story was going to go. My, my mind was like, Oh shit, they're having Mark play hockey already. Like as soon as I heard, (laughs) as soon as I heard dudes playing hockey, I was like, Oh fuck, we're doing the, like Mark plays hockey for a little bit and then starts having headaches. Huh? Fuck. That's that's, well, now I know that. But like when I was watching this, I was like, Holy shit, we're starting this already. Um, so yeah, so our patient here, uh, the uh, the guy who had the seizure, Michael, uh, he is played by actor Louis Ferreira, who appeared in stuff like Shooter, Saw 4, and Breaking Bad, uh, 140 credits to his name, so he is our high water uh, person. He is in Breaking Bad. Yes, I remember he, yes he he's is. the one. He's the Isn't guy he the one? from Phoenix, I think? Or? Yeah, he's the one who's, yeah, Walt says, say my name. Yeah. He's were that whole exchange, okay. That whole exchange, yep. Um, which was very strange because he's like baby baby here. Like Yeah. Really young here. So it was very, it took me a, uh, quite a while actually as I was watching the episode because I as soon as I saw him I was like I recognize his face and I especially recognize his like cadence and the way he talks. Like he had a very distinctive sound to him. And so I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Where have I seen him before? And then when I looked at his IDB page, I saw the Breaking Bad credit, and I was like, that seems right. But And then the, the, the character name doesn't really mean anything to me. Like, the character mm-hmm. name was, like, very indistinctive. But once I, like, thought about it for a little bit longer, I was like, I knew exactly who he was. Just meth dude from Phoenix. That should be a way he should be credited. <laughs> right. That should have been his official credit. Um, but the, uh, the partner here is uh, Kurt, and he is played by actor Hank Stratton, who appeared in stuff like The Unit, American Dreams, and The Closer. Uh, we then go over uh, back to the daughter of the uh, Parkinson's patient, Louise Duffy. So far, all of the test results look good. Uh, daughter wants to talk out in the hall with Chen um, when uh, she mentions that the neurologist can adjust her medication um, she's kind of like under the impression or, or of the belief that her mom needs to be admitted. And because the test results are all within normal ranges, Chen doesn't really have a reason to hold her. And she's like, well, she can't walk and I can't take care of her if she can't walk. Like, and I can't afford a homemade and is basically just admitting her or, or uh, begging her to admit her for a few days, just essentially so that she can get a break. Uh, which I can certainly understand. I mean, we, I remember we had that episode way back in season one where there was a whole, there was that whole storyline very early on about caregiver fatigue. Um, Here it rears its head again. Yeah. And I feel like 
they they could have done a lot more with this lady they do a good job of like kind of not pushing it too far um we then go over back to lucy and valerie lucy got valerie some ridiculous ducky slippers from the gift shop i love those slippers they are pretty good i think she ought to uh give those to reese just Mm -hmm. keep the ducky collection going uh we find out that her mom is on her way in uh dad is not around uh carrie drops by to check in uh we find out that valerie has a mild fever which is a big problem uh because uh, they will not be able to do the uh transplant uh because of the immunosuppressant drugs that she will need to be on um she could potentially reject the heart or a mild infection could even be fatal uh, because of this so Oh boy. So it's going to be up to the transplant coordinator if she can still have the surgery. We will check back in with these two a little bit later. And uh, Mark is taking hand x-rays with the radiologist. Uh, Michael definitely has a fractured hand. And Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, and his, apparently his seizure was from was, was from an overdose of the asthma meds. And Mark, you know, when he sees someone has overdosed on a medication, he has to ask, did you try to kill yourself? Anything going on? You look like those bruises may have been from something else. Yeah. What's going on here, buddy? Yeah. So, not great. Um, we go over to Romano is examining people down in the ER with Benton, potentially doing, like, surgical rounds. And Lucy reaches out to Romano with what's going on with Valerie and tries to argue regarding her still getting the new heart and says, like, oh, it could just be an LVAD infection. We can try this, 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 this. And I love Romano's response. He goes, you are like a crazed energizer bunny on this one. You just keep going and going and going and going and going. And Lucy says, thank you. <laughs> Which is excellent. A driveline infection, I believe, is yes, what she believes you. it is. I don't know if that differentiates I think it, for anyone. I think it's for. I think it's related to the LVAD wires specifically, but yes. Um Carrie tells Carol that they're out of some kits in exam two, and it's apparently Carol's job to restock. And Carol's like, yep, I know, I got it. And Carrie says, you know, you can have more time off if you still need it. Like, it's okay. And everybody's just, like, trying to be helpful, but really kind of being the worst about it. And then we go over to Dr. Dave. Again, I like him in this episode. I'm going to say it right now. Curse you, Eric Palladino. (laughs) You somehow warped our opinions on Dave. I don't know how you did it. But um, he is speaking Spanish with a woman when Carrie walks up. We find out that her husband has been taking medications from Mexico and is now vomiting blood. So that's great. Um, Not so so cool. Um, We go back over to Benton and Cleo, and Benton asks her out for dinner. He's like, oh, you know, when do you get off? We could, you know, we could go to dinner. And she's like, I get off late. Ladies. Pew. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not here. No. I'll take that back. No. Okay, fine. I said what I said. Okay, fine. It's your turn. Okay. Uh, but then Corday walks into Carol crying in the lounge and tells her she should just go home. You know, and Carol... You know, we've all been in this position. I'm just going to, she says, I'm just going to sit here and have a good cry. It's what I do at home. We've all been there. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes you just need to sit down, let it out, and then get back to what you're doing. Yeah. And this scene is one of my favorites of yeah, this episode. Yeah, because uh, Chuni walks in and her and Corday are just talking about Carol like she's not even there. 
Like, oh, can you even imagine? Oh, can you imagine? Oh my god, that's so that's so awful. Holy shit! And then they both turn and look surprised that she's still sitting there. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like, "What the fuck, guys?" Well, yeah. If you're if you're Carol in this situation, like, what would you, what would you prefer in that situation? Would you like if if two people come in or in the room with you when you're having the the let it out cry? Would you prefer they acknowledge your existence and acknowledge what's happening and you know try to like console you, or would you rather they just c- carry on and let you have your moment? I would rather the kind like there's no better way to handle it than how they did. I appreciate that they at least say like, "Hey, are you okay?" And then once she says, "Yep." fine just having a moment they mostly just kind of let her be and that's what i would want i wouldn't want people doting over me after i said i was fine but i would want the option to say no i'm really not great could you please like just give me a hug yeah we also uh get quite possibly the best uh framed look at the flutie flakes we have had uh since they first showed up like as soon as they flip the perspective to carol's perspective where you're looking at lizzie over her shoulder on top of the fridge for once turned with the front of the box facing the camera instead of the side view we get a full like we get full flutie face it's it's pretty great Full flutie face full flutie face you get the whole view uh but we go from there to uh back to lucy and valerie she's getting uh, valerie's hopes up about this driveline infection and uh potentially still being able to get the heart uh but she does give her kind of the full rundown of the worst case scenario and uh valerie kind of asks you know like what would you do and you know she's like well at the end of the day it has to be your decision but you know it, it the risk is pretty minimal you know so you should go for it. I can't imagine that'll come back to bite you in the ass at all there, Lucy. Uh, but we go from there back to uh, Mark asking uh, Michael how long he and Kurt have been together. And he's asking all the standard questions here of what happens when the two of you fight. Uh, so he's clearly thinking along the lines of domestic violence. And uh, Michael, after some initial caginess, kind of fesses up and is like, you know, oh, I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. He hit me, said he was sorry, and he promised to never do it again. And uh, it's clearly happened more than once based on his kind of hesitance to talk about it. Uh, And uh, Mark wants him to talk to the uh, social worker about it, which I also find this a very interesting storyline because of how sort of the relative newness of gay portrayals in media on network television at this time. Um, you know, most of, most of your, your gay representation on TV at this point was of the Will and Grace and Ellen variety of like happy gays. And like, you know, we're, everything's a big joke and it's, everything's played for laughs and stuff. And, and the realities of, you know, a gay relationship is no different than a heterosexual relationship. There are going to be abusive ones and there are going to be dysfunctional ones. And like the um, willingness to portray that here, I think, is something that deserves to be mentioned. Yeah, I think I think it was one of those things where, like you said early on, they wanted to so pivot into the positive like representation that it was a little scary to try and do something like this because you didn't want people to all of a sudden go, well, every gay relationship is abusive because I saw it on ER once. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on, let's go to our first audio clip of the episode. Uh, Lindsay Cordova from the last episode is in to talk to Corday. Dr. Corday? Lindsay, how are you? I'm all right. Um, it was my sister's funeral yesterday. I just, I wanted to thank you. 
You really don't have to. The police said that, um, that he finally told you where he left Jenny. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to forget him. I just hear his voice all the time, and it's very gentle, but it's just saying these awful things. And you listen to me. That's what he wanted, to make you suffer. But you don't let him win. He's nothing. He can't hurt you anymore. Mama Bear Corday. Hmm. You'll love to see it. Yeah, I think going back to our, our discussion from last episode about uh, you have to pick one, one has to survive either this storyline or the Elaine and Carter storyline. I think I figured out well, a week late, I think I figured out my justification for why this storyline deserves to survive is because I like Lizzie's uh, participation in this. Like, I, I like what Lizzie does mm. in this storyline way better than I liked what Carter did in that st- in his storyline. <laughs> Carter doesn't do enough to justify that storyline's existence, whereas Lizzie actually gets to show some aspects of her character, not always in a positive way, but gets to show some aspects of her character that are at least compelling to watch, even though the mm. person she's doing the storyline with is so very unpleasant. <laughs> Fair. Uh, then we quick check on Valerie, who is getting transplanted up to surgery. Uh, that was a poor use of words. But um, she she's getting moved into surgery finally, and Lucy cannot stay for the operation, but boy howdy, she's going to try and observe. And uh, let's say let's say goodbye to the to the piece of shit known as Dean as Corday pops into the prison ward to talk to Dean one last time. Can I have a moment with him? Did you? Mm-hmm. Now, when I woke up, I found you hadn't done what you'd said you'd do. I was glad. The fact that you were a coward never even occurred to me. Your conscience is bothering you, isn't it? It is, actually. What, because you nearly killed me? What, because you didn't have the guts to? Because I enjoyed the power I had over you. When I could have let you bleed to death at the crash, when your heart stopped while I was operating, when the morphine took you under. I held your every breath in my hands and I so wanted to repay some of the pain you caused. But then I looked at your sad little body and I saw what a pathetic man you are. And I realized I didn't want power over you at all. That my job, for better or worse, was simply to put you back together. See, I don't give a damn if you go to the chair or if you spend the rest of your life in prison. My job's done. You were my patient. You were sick. You're better. Goodbye, Mr. Rollins. You can take him now. Come back here. I haven't finished with you yet. Get back here, Corday. Corday! 
So one of my favorite things with this clip is at the end when Corday is just walking out and leaving his bullshit behind her. And mm-hmm. you hear him yell, Corday, Corday, come back. You, I'm a piece of shit. Like, oh, uh, her, her look on her face is such good nonverbal acting as she walks out. Also, her verbal acting is fantastic. Also her, yes, also her verbal acting. But props to the, the look on her face as she does the walk away. But what it would have also been funny would have been if you'd have also heard in the background Martha Plimpton still yelling for Carol. <laughs> because this is the second time this season that we've had a character walk out of the jail ward with a uh, patient person, whatever, like yelling at them from over their shoulder. Corday, Carol. Like, just like, I want, I want like a chant, like back and forth. No. Like, but yeah, tear down every single piece of shit like Dean and just, no, they don't matter. Right? You never mattered. You always sucked. You were my patient, nothing more. You didn't matter. I did my job, and that's it. Yep. Bye. And this is it. Bye. Our, our second national nightmare of the season is over. Boy, that's going to be a <laughs> hotly contested uh, category for worst character of the season, either uh, De- uh, Dean Rollins or uh, Elaine. That's going to be a, a hotly contested. I, I'm just going to say I think Dean's going to win because not as many people had the problem with the Elaine thing as we thought they would. So. I don't know. At least, at least we know we don't have to fight over like who gets to pick the obvious choice. Well, at least two of us will get the chance to nominate a truly terrible character. Yeah. Uh, but we go from there to uh, Carter is working with the daughter from earlier, Louise. Uh, she They had been discharged, and then she fell on the ice while putting her mom in the car. Oh, uh, man. Right? Uh, uh, Chen fills him in on the situation as they're uh, rolling her in. We then go over to the operating room where Lucy is observing the Elvad transplant surgery with Benton. And uh, Shirley brings the heart in early, which uh, Lucy gets a little concerned about. She's like, wait, is, is this going to throw things off? And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It can, can rest on ice for a while. And then we then go down to Michael talking with Adele, the uh, social worker. And he tells her that uh, nothing happened with his boyfriend. So pretty, pretty classic presentation here of a domestic violence situation. Trying to downplay it, trying to hand wave it away and explain that it's no big deal. Not great. Uh, and, of course, Carol is just counting down the minutes until she can leave, which, honestly, mood. <laughs> then uh, Carter's giving Chen shit for not admitting Mrs. Duffy to give Louise a break. He's like, no, we do soft admissions all the time. You gotta know which rules to bend. Like, yeah. So, and so, like, and Chen, yeah, and Chen is, like, just pushing back, like, no, why would, no. Like, it sucks, yeah, but, like... We only have so many resources. Like we can actually use it for the people who, who need them. Which they she raises a good point, right? And I, and I also like yeah. too how she raises the um, the objection of I just got in trouble last week for bending the rules, like yeah. bringing up her lying about the patient being pregnant. So like good continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, it turns out Carter is going to do Carter things and admit the daughter for hypertension. Like oh she might be having a heart attack. She's going to be have to stay for a couple days. Well, we don't know. She could be at a risk for a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Chen's like, what the hell? What the hell, Carter? And he's just, what the hell? What am I supposed to do with the mom? It's like, that's your patient. I'm taking care of my patient. (laughs) It's so shitty, but so good. Right. It it has big, uh, Carter's move here has big Doug Ross energy. Mm -hmm. That is is totally a Doug Ross move. Yep. 
And then we see Mark trying to talk Michael into staying and reporting Kurt, but they both leave. Kurt's like, tell him what he has to sign and he'll sign it. Right, Michael? All right, bye. They head out. Um, and Cleo sees Dave pulling stuff, or like, with his bounty from the vending machine. And she's like, why not the cafeteria? He goes, no water, can't cook. Besides, this stuff's actually pretty tasty. And she's like, that crap will kill you. Like, what the fuck are you doing eating lots that? Of things, of lots of things will kill you. Right? <laughs> so we go over to a father-daughter combo who have come in with aplastic anemia, which Cleo notes uh, is strange since there's no history of toxic exposure. And Dave offers to take a look because, you know, Encyclopedia Dave <laughs> is, is apparently a thing. Um, their bone, mar- bone marrow ain't generating squat. So it's, yeah, gotta, gotta, gotta. Bone marrow is pretty pretty essential to the survival of a human being. Um, and Dave speaks to both of them in Spanish, and they both look uncomfortable, like they'll get in trouble. And they got apparently they had colds, so they got shots for their colds at a pharmacy. And the medicine that they got is like not regulated for is not is like banned in America mm-hmm. or something like that. I. And he he says only sketchy pharmacists would give shots. Very different from today. I'm not sure if it was vaccines or if it was like cold medicine. I couldn't remember which one it was, but. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was cold shot or like it was, I don't think it was vaccines, but. Yeah, but like cold treatment shots or whatever. And yeah, that's just so weird to me because now it's like you walk into your Walgreens and you're like, can I have my flu shot? Mm. Okay. Right. Can I, you know, yeah. Everybody gets shots at pharmacies now. Yeah. Shots. Shots. That is very. You're filled with vaccines. Yes. Go get boosted. Is it just me, or was aplast? What show? It wasn't this show, but what show was it that would use aplastic anemia all the time? House. House. Maybe. Yes, House. that's exactly what it was. It was House because I can hear him saying it. Like I can hear Hugh Laurie's voice as House saying that was like a symptom that they would use a lot is aplastic anemia. Because as soon as I heard it, I was like that like peaked something in my memory. It was totally House. That's what it was. Thank you, Lizzie. Well, we go from there. The uh, hey, the water is finally fixed. Yay. Uh, and Chen asks if they can page individual people on the code team. Hmm. Mm. Curious. Uh, then uh, we go to uh, Lucy and Benton are talking after Valerie's procedure, um, and they're rolling her into the recovery room, uh, and they're going to put her on a vent because she's not breathing yet, uh, but Benton doesn't seem worried at first because it can take anesthesia a while to wear off. For diff- Everybody comes off of it differently. Uh, but Lucy notices that her gaze is deviated to the right, which sends everybody into a panic. Uh, and they immediately start bagging her and drag her back to radiology for CT. So not good. Not good, fam. Not good. Uh, we then go down and see uh, Chen, Chuni, Malik, and I think Anira is her name. The uh, desk clerk we got introduced to a few episodes ago the one uh she's muslim Mm -hmm. um they're watching out the window uh by chairs and uh they we see carter bolt out of one of the porta potties and slip on the ice and immediately fall and bust his ass um and so they (laughs) he then comes running into the er to answer this code and slips and falls on the wet floor which this is another one of the bumping into things because he bumps into one of the janitor people who's there mm-hmm. um completely wipes them out too uh and so it's a little little prank from chen to uh carter here it's wackety schmackety uh chen of course admits to it and calls it payback for blackmailing her 
um, which I guess is in relation to, I would have said it was payback for, you know, continuing to not call her by the name that she has requested to be called by. That would have been a much better justification than accidentally admitting a person who needed, maybe needed to be admitted, but no, well, um, but then we hear a crash and Mike is outside screaming for help. Kurt was loading their stuff in the trunk when Mike accidentally hit him with the car. He says that, you know, he thought he was going in first and he accidentally went in reverse. Oh no. Um, they have, they have Michael wait outside in the trauma of the trauma room. And, uh, we find out for part of it, he was pinned against the water trough because the water truck was right there too. Not fucking great fam. And there is no suction because the water still hasn't quite been hooked up yet. It's, it's, it's available, but it's not on yet. So they're going to make a makeshift suction machine with the vacuum in the hall and some medical sponges. And it works. <laughs> this is not a funny situation, but it your notes do make me laugh here. <laughs> it just says that he hit him with the car because the, <laughs> this is a very stupid reference that only I'm going to get. But like a podcast that I used to listen to that was a wrestling podcast, they would talk about different wrestlers' careers in their entirety and stuff. And as you might imagine with... Uh, uh, people of that era there's a lot of crossover with Steve Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. happy 316 day as we're recording this yeah. and you're, and you're listening to this in early April but that's fine um, <laughs> so uh, if you're a wrestling fan at all you may remember that late in Steve Austin's career uh, one of the ways they wrote him out in storyline for a while was that they ran him over with a car and that was so that he could go get neck surgery it didn't actually run him over with a car but that was the storyline pro wrestling's weird leave me alone and so they, they hit him with a car and he's out of uh, he was out of action for like, I think, a year. And then and then they did a whole angle when he came back about who ran him over. It was like a who shot Jr. kind of thing. Rikishi. It was she very stupid storyline. But anyway, I, the, the, the thing in the podcast that made me laugh when I read your notes is because anytime this anytime they were talking about anybody, whether it was Steve Austin or not, and there happened to be some kind of overlap with that storyline. The way that the guy would always say it on the podcast was, and you hit that motherfucker with a car. <laughs> and the way I read I, in your notes just instantly brought me back to that. I'm so glad. And I want to point out, I wasn't the one who brought up wrestling today. That's fair. That's fair. It's Even though we just got, yeah. even though we just got WWE 2K22 and we were both loving it. Um, yes, we're old people who are like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Lucy's watching Valerie from the hall as Benton is with her and Romano goes in to talk to Benton and unfortunately Valerie has had a stroke and she is in a permanent vegetative state. Womp womp. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, God damn it. Lucy can't have nice things. But Romano actually comforts Lucy here. It's like, no, it's this could have happened regardless of the infection or whatever, or whatever she was this could have happened if she was healthy, is perfectly healthy, and she had had surgery. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but they do need uh, Lucy's help once more. Uh, they're trying to do a domino heart procedure, which is pre- presented far less uh, drastically than it is when they do it in Grey's Anatomy a couple times. Shocking. Um, yeah. We'd, we'd gone so long without a Grey's reference. Oh, my God. It's because I haven't watched I it in forever, because I've actually moved on to other shows for I once. I know. I'm so proud. But what is a domino heart procedure? Uh, it's where they, they need, basically they need consent from Valerie's mom to take Valerie's, Valerie's donated heart that's in her currently. They need the, her, 
the invalid mom consent to take that heart out and give it to someone else. Mm. Is this is I mean it's heart wrenching, but also too I mean it's just this is not a moment I think of a lot when I think of the good Romano moments, but this is actually mm-hmm. a, a like excellent Romano moment with Lucy and yes. and is part of this larger justification for the way Romano is you know when Lucy is injured and like just I don't know like it, it's it's not one I hear talked about nearly as much as as when she um goes to his house at Christmas or you know or even when he you know signs to Reese and stuff like there the, when you're talking about those like um soft spot Romano moments this is one that I don't feel like I think of as much or hear as much about and I was mistaken. They don't actually, I don't know if they actually ever do a domino heart procedure on Graves, but they do do basically just a huge, like, six person domino oh, procedure where one. it's someone's giving a kidney to someone else, someone's giving part of their liver to this person, and then it's, 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 a, a, whole ch- it's a chain of six people that are somehow all getting organs that from just sounds in a chain. Like, or it reminds me of that stupid Will Smith movie uh, where he like donates all of his organs at the it's oh boy one of the worst move one of the worst will smith movies for sure what the hell are you talking uh, about seven i am legend and very different from what i remember seven pounds i think it's called i want to say it's him and oh. um is it rosario dawson that's in that movie with him i think um yeah it's real it's it's yeah, seven it's pounds. real oscar Beatty. like it's real like will smith trying to be like you know i'm i'm gonna He's still hunting for that Oof. Oscar now, but like, it's it's got a twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a thirty six percent on Metacritic. It's bad, y'all. It's real bad, <laughs> and it has one of the worst endings I have ever seen. Like, it is truly terrible. Uh, the early days of Netflix streaming and like Redbox movies were a barren wasteland of cinema. You you could find yourself watching some fucking dreck on a Friday night. Let me tell you, whoo. All right, now that we got that out of the way, uh, let's go back down to uh, Mark and uh, Michael, where Mark is asking what happened, and Michael replies that he hit that motherfucker with a car. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We go from there uh, to Carter giving Chen some sass regarding how she has dealt with this whole issue. Uh, but she replies that she deals with things on it or they, they come to the agreement rather that they are going to deal with things honestly and that there will be no more practical jokes between them. Uh, Lucy, uh, we find out has gotten consent for the domino procedure, hands it off to Romano and apologize. And he apologizes for how this whole thing has turned out. And again, very sweet, like very genuine moment here. Like these are the moments we talk about when we say that like there, there is a softer side to Romano and there is a tiny, tiny, tiny little dim sliver of a human inside of that hollow husk of a man. Like, there is a little tiny bit of humanity in there. Uh, Chen gets her patient's films, and it looks like they ate nails. Uh, But it turns out that Carter x-rayed himself with nails taped to his belly. So maybe the practical jokes aren't done quite yet. So I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but uh, Dave went on an adventure to that pharmacy... Uh, where the person people say they got the the aplastic anemia patients where they say they got their those shots from uh, and he is back from 
what appears to have been a bit of a misadventure. So, you made it through the day, huh? Just about. Carol, good to have you back. Thanks. You're lucky to be alive, you know that? Yeah. Hey, Malucci, what did you do? Um, nothing, Chief. It was just a sucker punch. The bar fight just Any broken bones? Short a few brain cells, but otherwise okay. Okay, guard with your left next time. Right. Thanks, Chief. So anyway, I go in, I tell him I have a sore throat. That doesn't even look in my mouth. Dipyro. FDA banned this 20 years ago. It gets better. And he brings out a vial and a syringe. Wants to give me a shot. Chloramphenicol. Didn't. Yeah, what do you think? I'm stupid. I grabbed the vial and I ran. That's pretty much when things got a little violent, so. Hope it was worth it. I got evidence now. They're going down. Hey, uh, excuse me, Cleo. You got a minute? Sure. Hold that. So you uh you gonna be able to get off? Yeah, it looks like it. You wanna go grab some dinner? Where are you guys going? Actually, it's just you and me. What happened to everybody else? That's what I was trying to explain. Peter, you asking me out? Yeah. Yay? Yeah. Bench, 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 bench. This <laughs> this has about as much justification as I do for going down to the vending machine at 8.30 on a Friday. Like, I, this, like, this, <laughs> this is the definition of unearned. <laughs> Could they be telegraphing any harder that she's here just to be his girlfriend? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I know I'm, I know I'm like looking at that with, uh, you know, the benefit of hindsight, have knowing that that's, you know, that is why she's here, but it's so blatant to me watching this of just like, we have given, they're, they've dropped all pretense of her actually being her own character at this point and is now just strictly, oh yeah, that's the reason why you're here. I don't know. But uh, on the plus side, though, the, the Dr. Dave redemption tour continues because yeah. mm-hmm. this is more uh, more strong work from him here. And as I I, I, I have the v- vaguest, foggiest memories of how this little mini arc for him goes. And I remember it being pretty OK. So, like, he's at least going to uh-huh. he's, he's at least going to continue this for a little bit longer. Like he's going to continue this hot streak for a little bit longer. Maybe it's maybe it's like a, you know. This first season is pretty solid, and then he falls off a cliff in the second season. I'm not sure. But it's just, to me, it's like I, I really thought we, I was going to be grinding my teeth a lot more at Dave than I have been. Mm-hmm. Should have paid attention to that first watch through. Also, I love Carrie. Guard with your left. Right? I love. <laughs> it's like, oh, you didn't hit it. You didn't get into it with a patient. All right, cool. Guard with your left. Uh, so good. Then we check in. Uh, Mark is talking with the police officer regarding Mike, and he omits the details that Mike may have done it on purpose. Because he doesn't so. know. I mean, he doesn't really know yeah. that. He has his, his suspicions, but. And I love how the the cop goes. Don't they revoke your license when you have a seizure? And Mark's like, Well, he doesn't have epilepsy. Like it was a clearly one off situation. It's like Mark. I don't know if you know that just from this. Like, <laughs> you didn't do any scans. You didn't do any. Additional testing, you just said, yeah, it was probably your asthma meds. Okay, bye. Yep. Like, I don't know. But yeah, that that is true. Some states do revoke your license if you have a doctor who, you know, reports your seizure or whatever. So I think in Illinois, it's five years? Six months. Six months? Oh. You're only thinking five years because that's how long it's been since I've had one. Oh, maybe. It's, I know it's six months in Michigan, and I think it's six months didn't in we, Illinois. Didn't we have a patient that this came up with? The, the little girl was driving for her dad who was having a seizure. Yep. And almost hit Mark and yep. I think Corday, maybe? Question mark? 
Yep. Yeah. So this this has definitely come up before. And then Malik tells Mark that Papa Green has locked himself out of the apartment, so Mark has to go and deal with that. Lovely. And then we finish off the episode with our last audio clip here. Uh, Lucy's sitting out in the ambulance bay in the snow. Lucy, you look like you're freezing. Why? It started snowing and you look like you're very, very cold. I am. No, no, that's okay. No, come on. I'm European and like to be gallant, yeah? Thanks. <clears throat> so, are you off? I got two tickets for the circus. No, actually, I'm just coming on. Then what were you doing here all day? Not enough, as it turns out. It's never been very easy for me to be here. Sometimes I felt like I would never fit in. That's something I know about. But then I'm, I've moved around a lot, and now I'm, I'm used to it. But at the beginning of every day, I've been grateful that I'm walking in here of my own choosing. And I'm not carried in on some gurney. And at the end of every day, if I have helped just one person, it's been worth it. And that didn't happen today, and it makes me sad. Hey, your day is not over. Maybe this is your one person. Doubt it. Yes, but uh, let's see if I'm right, huh? Miss the circus? You know what? I have had enough circus for today. Huh? Come on. What have you got? Paul Galinsky, 36, put a snowmobile into a tree, ejected with multiple facial fractures, tried but couldn't tube him too much blood. He's all yours. You can intubate. Looks like a difficult one. Yeah, I'll talk you through it. Have you ever use a, a trait light? No. Okay, I'll show you how. You kept that long just because that music cue is so oh, good, didn't you? That was exactly what I was going to say before you raised your hand to Sorry. talk first. I was like, you know, of course I had to get the... I love myself a good uh, Martin Davich musical flourish. It's musical so flourish. good. Mm. Yeah. But also, we all need a Luca in our corner sometimes. Right? Holy shit. Yeah. When, when, spoiler alert, when we do the main character retrospective for Lucy in the relative near, in the relative near future on Patreon... Um, one of the biggest point, one of the biggest things I'm gonna drill in everyone's head is how much, how many missed opportunities there were with her character. Yeah, and this might be one of the. I biggest. was just gonna say this might be the biggest. Like this, th there's undeniable gold in them. Their hills between mm -hmm. Luca and Lucy as just a yeah, a, and not in a romantic way. Not it. Not no, in a oh, like it is not. purely in a like uh a different flavor of Benton and Carter like kind of way yeah. there could have mm -hmm. been an amazing you know father daughter or like older brother type of relationship between these two this this is a weird comparison and you're you're both gonna laugh at me for it but um 
Neela and why can't I think of Dr. Hare's name? Oh, Debanko. Debanko? Debanko. Like, Neela and Debanko minus the Debanko drunkenly hitting on her thing. Sort of. Just, I could see that. Kind of. I just, I just love it so much. And it's just, just, it's just so good. This is only the second time. I mean, the last time was last episode when there was that random insertion of Lucy into a scene with Luca, um, with that one patient. This is only the second time that these two have really shared any kind of screen time together. And you can already sort of just immediately, immediately you're hooked in, like you're drawn in and you want more. Like it's a media 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like I would have made this the book. If she had stayed beyond the time that she stays, like I would have made this the focus of the next season. Like I would have made this whole pairing here would have been like, okay, well we figured out what the two of these, these two are doing for the next, you know, season's worth of episodes. Yeah, and I also think that um, I have the thought and it's gone and it keeps going away and coming back. Um, I also am projecting a little bit here in that we know, you know, why she was leaving the show and everything. And so when she says this delivery <sighs> here, there's a part of me that's like, it's it's almost like we can picture that it's Kelly Martin talking to the audience. That when she says I... About why she's when leaving. When she says that, like, I've never felt like I belonged here or, like, something like... Or it's yeah. never been easy for me to be here, I think is exactly right. what she says. Well, it's it's that, and then also earlier when she's watching Valerie as a vegetable. Like, I was watching that, and I was like, knowing what we... <laughs> Sorry, that's just a weird way to... She's in a vegetative state. I know, but Okay, just... fine. Earlier when she's watching Valerie in her vegetative state, it's like knowing what she was going through with her sister... Right. You have to, like, no wonder she left. Right, you have to imagine that, uh, yeah, because I've always, I've always heard that. I've always heard that that was the part of the reason for her leaving was that, you know, the, the situation with her sister was very traumatic and that she was, it was hard to come to work in a hospital every day after watching her sister go through something similar. But it would be like, I, I, w- I never, like, was able to pinpoint down of, like, was there a moment? And if there ever was, I think this might have been it. Like, this might have been the triggering type of thing of, of being like oh shit maybe i can't push this down all the time and maybe i can't just ignore this and maybe this is and on top of that too you know if no wiley's being a fucking dick to her on top of everything else it's like why wouldn't you leave like i don't blame her i don't blame her in the slightest of like i don't want to do this like no, no job is worth your your mental health and so yeah th- i do feel like there was like you said we're projecting quite a bit but it does feel like there is a lot of truth in that statement from the person not just the character like there's a lot of honesty in that also i thought it was funny how uh on the nose character name the eventual pronunciation of the character's name luca was with the word gallant (laughs) it was like wow there's the there's the origin story for that character right there like which i will say that now has always bothered me like that is like for a show that didn't do shit like that very often it was like really we're gonna telegraph it this hard that we're just gonna like martyr the shit out of this character by naming him gallant like give me a break overall excellent episode yeah i wouldn't quite say well i guess excellent compared to to last week it's, a, it's yeah, an excellent recovery from last week's stumble. Like, it's a 7.5, but for me personally, but, like, it's, it's again, we're not, I feel like we're kind of spinning the wheels yeah. a bit. You know what I mean? I'd say 7.5. It was good. It was entertaining. It wasn't a shit show, but it wasn't a standout either. Yeah. yeah. This is, like, there was nothing really, like, okay, we get the beginnings of Bench, but, like, no one cares about that. Mm-hmm. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy the shit out of saying that for, for the next two seasons. So you best all 
y'all best get ready for that um honestly like when you see when you know like where things are kind of going in the not so distant future it really it feels like a lot of this stuff really will come out of left field and i mean obviously the mid-season part of this of season six is such a fucking hard pivot yeah. in tone and in just an, pretty much everyone's storyline yeah after like as their deal with the fallout of episodes 13 and yeah. 14 I, I would really i would be genuinely curious to know and, and at this point having talked to enough writers and enough people from that time through a combination of the amount of time that has passed between now and then and just writers sort of general ambivalence towards long-term storytelling on this fucking show it would be hard to get a pinned down answer from them but like i really would like to know when it was that they uh were told or when it was they learned or when it was that it was solidified in in concrete of like kelly's leaving mid-season let's figure out how we're going to do this. Like, let's figure out, are we going to kill her? Are we going to write her out? Are we going to, you know, how is this all going to work? Because like you said, it does sort of seem like uh, everything mid season on is like a hard reset on this season because it has to be, but like, so how much of what we're seeing right now is serving that hard reset and how much of it is, this is what our original plans were. And then we're going to just throw a fucking hand grenade into the middle of it in a few weeks and completely reset everything. Yeah. It's hard to say. I, it's really hard to say because I feel like they have, been, as unpleasant as they've been, I do feel like they have been telling uh, a lot of really shorter, self-contained storylines here that didn't seem like they would matter that much after a mid-season sweep type of event. You know, like, nobody thought Elaine's storyline was going to last very long. Nobody thought this Dean Rollins thing was going to last very long. So it sort of seems like... lasted longer than I thought. Well, yeah. But it sort of seemed like they're gearing up towards something that is going to make everything around it seemed very insignificant. So I don't know. I just would, I would love to know what the calculus was from a creative standpoint of like how much of this is them planning for something big and how much of this is them like thinking they're on one track. And then very soon they're going to find out that they're on a completely different track where none of this stuff matters. So, but like I said, an excellent recovery from last week's stumbling block. We're at least back into the, the positive column. Um, It might not be an all time great episode, but there's definitely moments in here that I think are really good. So, so Lauren, what do the listeners have to say about it? Audrey T says, one of the best openers to date, Romano being dragged out by the acrobatic brothers. I caught the flutie flakes behind Elizabeth during her scene with Carol in the lounge. Yet more wackety schmackety Carter antics, this time with a porta potty, facepalm. That last scene with Luca and Lucy was sweet. Keep this in mind because we'll see this shot again in an ending credits soon. Hmm. Franner W. says, I don't think Corday has ever sounded so clinically stiff upper lip fuck you British as she does when she tells Dean that she doesn't care what happens to him. Dave, whilst being a bit too gung-ho about it, redeems himself somewhat in his quest to find the illegal clinic. Are you listening, Eric Palladino? Please tell me I've stopped your mother crying now. (laughs) Mark's patient highlighting just how desperate someone can be. In a, de- in a domestic violence situation and what a human in that situation can be driven to, especially with the added shame that surrounds male victims whom society deems should be able to stand up for themselves. Megan M. says, Another fantastic Romano-Lucy scene when he tells her that Valerie is in a permanent vegetative state. Romano asking Lucy to obtain consent from Valerie's family for the domino heart procedure is huge and shows that he trusts her. 
Thankful that this is the last episode of the Dean saga. That guy was just too creepy. My shadow account at I want more naps. I'm just kidding. This isn't really me. Says the whole week's episode was about domino encounters. I liked it. You could trace moments that were like falling dominoes for each person and for the ER itself. Lucy was a ray of sunshine. So much energy. Carter's physical humor was amazing. At SMB for the win says, ooh, almost missed it. Mark needs a big boy apartment, clearly. But also, what kind of heathen drinks the last cup of coffee when they are in a visitor in someone else's home? Then we get the hysterical visual of Romano's being carried off by angry acrobats. We need visuals for this one because that's just a great scene. Let's all do a little dance because Dean is gone after this. Lizzie, you should have just killed him. You'd get a reward, I swear. Poor Lucy, though. She tried so hard for her patient and got so involved. It must be a hard thing learning to balance advocating for your patient versus becoming overly invested. As funny as Romano was earlier, he's very patient and kind to Lucy. Well, the Romano version of it. Thankfully, we have Chen and Carter to lighten the mood. Carter plus porta potty equals win. I don't think that's a sentence that's ever been said before. <laughs> um, <laughs> the full-time dad says... After a relatively demure run in season six, Lucy has gotten her star turn in recent episodes, and we've seen the energy, enthusiasm, and determination that made us fall for her character in season five. That infectious smile and downright giddiness she displayed with Valerie and that determination to run through a wall so she could get Valerie her heart just warms you to the core. But then we saw that light snuffed out as Valerie didn't survive the surgery. At Kelly Martin was on fire in this episode, and her final conversation with Luca gave us one of season six's most underrated and poignant moments, and of course gives us the lasting image of Lucy they will use to conclude her run in just three episodes. Goran was excellent in th that scene as well. But the episode wasn't just Lucy. Mark's storyline with the patient who was being abused by his spouse was really good stuff. I just have to note saying spouse in 2000... Probably just boyfriends, unfortunately. Hey, um, he's recognizing common law. I uh, I know, and that's domestic violence, that's, homosexual couples. In that's 2000. awesome, but th this is an excellent time to point out that holy shit, looking at it from a twenty twenty two lens, this was not gay marriage was not legal. What the fuck? Um, Mark's storyline with the patient who was being abused by his spouse was really good stuff. The through, but with the water shortage, was carried through the episode I think well. He's the through line with the. I don't yeah, Aaron, I don't know what you're saying there, and I'm sorry. Eric Palladino gives us one of his stronger arcs involving the illegal pharmacy, and we see the first sparks of Ben Fitch, Ben Finch, or Finchton, and the chemistry that make Eric LaSalle and Michael Michelle such an underrated pairing. Mm, does it though? Uh, <laughs> Carter and Chen give us some excellent hijinks and Carol gives us some, gave us some incredible comedic tears in the lounge. Really funny stuff. The only thing that kind of felt out of place was the conclusion of the Dean Rollins arc, which unlike in the case of Alan Alda's farewell felt really forced. Which good riddance. Like we didn't really talk about that uh, after his last scene because I think we were all just so excited to be done with that. But that did sort of feel like them pulling the eject handle on that whole story. Don't no, care. I know. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, that they shouldn't have. I'm just saying that maybe they will. Maybe you know, writers yeah. decided much like we have that they're like, we've pushed the unpleasant button as many times as we possibly can without getting diminishing returns. Let's just end this now mm -hmm. because that whole scene is yeah. over in the span of like a minute, and then that's it. Yep. 
And I yep. just, I don't know. I'm, it seemed almost like they heard our complaints 20 years ahead of time. <laughs> yep. And finally, one of the things I wish we could have seen was the emerging professional relationship and tutelage of Lucy by Rocket. I love the two of them together as she brings out the very best of Romano in their moments together, which of course makes their final scene together with Rocket desperately trying to save her that much more painful. Uh, fuck, we're like a month away from that. Uh, less than that even actually we're uh. three weeks all right well that's fucking wrap up our episode for today thank you all very much for listening as always i almost said watching you're not watching this i don't know what's going on <laughs> this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast for only a dollar a month you get access to our show notes each week and for only five dollars a month you can get a free free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk jerry two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 40 hours of bonus audio and video content, including full, the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash-forwards where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me having nothing funny to say about my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. And you can find me tweeting about Wordle. Uh, I'm on. I'm at Random Gamer. That's J A M three R. Lauren has created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Mm-hmm.